Hey there, everyone. My name is Mike Kedman, and I am the Caring Ministries Coordinator. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church, and thanks so much for being here. During this season, it's more important than ever to connect with others. One thing we value here at LJCC is community. And whether today is your first time at LJCC or this has been your church for years, truly the best way to get connected is through our life groups. Life groups are where you can develop real and lasting friendships that go beyond a Sunday morning service. They are also the best way to be part of a smaller group of people who do life with you. If you have not already joined a life group, consider joining one this week. All of our groups are currently meeting digitally, so go to ljcc.org slash zoomgroups to find a life group that is a perfect fit for you. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you enjoy the rest of the service and have a great week. Good morning, La Jolla Community Church. Welcome to worship. What is your part in the mission of God? That's what we've been talking about this entire month. What is your part in the mission of God? This is our last installment, uh, answering that question, reflecting on that question, leaning into that question, uh, hopefully, prayerfully, living into that question. What is your part in the mission of God? Here's the good news. God is at work in you through his Holy Spirit, inspiring you to live innovatively. God, personally, is at work in you through his Holy Spirit, inspiring you to live innovatively. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And a happy Pentecost. Today is Pentecost Sunday when God poured out his Holy Spirit. Fifty days after Passover, Pentecost, an established major feast in Israel's life. And it was on this day, uh, 50 days after, the Pentecost, after Passover, that the Holy Spirit was given to the people. It's a game-changing event in human history. Think about it. Uh, do you have any idea how many believers, how many Christians there are in the world today? 2.5 billion Christians in the world today. 2.5 billion. Would you not say that Pentecost represents a major impact in human history? That's just the people today around the world. But for the last 2,000 years, people have been responding uh, to the power of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a game-changing event in human history. So let me ask you this question. Why isn't there a big holiday to celebrate the Holy Spirit? Well, you might say, well, it's Pentecost. That's, that's the day. But yeah, Pentecost. Pentecost. It's not Christmas. Uh, it doesn't have the impact of Easter. It's not like the 4th of July, Memorial Day, Labor Day. You might say, following the resurrection, it's the most significant day in human history. But no greeting card maker has a special Pentecost line. You wanted to store this weekend, uh, you know, outfitted with your mask, socially distancing, looking through the card section and saying, oh, now there's a cute Pentecost card. Now there's an inspiring, oh, I know how I'm going to give this Pentecost card to. That didn't happen. Uh, retail sales, party catering, or gift giving isn't impacted by Pentecost. Oh, no, what am I going to get for the kids for Pentecost? Oh, my gosh, right? That's not going on in your head. Nobody asks, hey, what are you doing for Pentecost? Are you going to be in town? Are you going out of town for Pentecost? Nobody asks themselves, gee, what shall I wear for Pentecost? Think about this. Every major holiday year-round, somebody somewhere in some family, 
Maybe everybody, maybe somebody is saying, oh my gosh, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? In fact, I can be pretty solidly predictive and prophetic when it comes to saying, I have an idea what people will wear on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, Easter Sunday, Fourth of July, etc. Have you ever been wished Happy Pentecost? Are people today going to be picking up the phone, calling family and friends, saying, hey, just wanted to wish you a happy, happy Pentecost? Uh, how about this? What's your favorite Pentecost food? Oh, on Pentecost Sunday, we always have this. Uh, or your favorite Pentecost song. Now, this one, you might have some songs that invoke the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, I do have a favorite Pentecost song. But no gifts are given. Uh, no food is prepared in a special way to commemorate Pentecost. The good news is the Holy Spirit brings gifts. The Holy Spirit brings gifts. And you can see these uh, listed throughout the New Testament. Uh, spiritual gift that he gives to everybody uh, who is a baptized believer in Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us delicious food. We call them the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So the Holy Spirit brings gifts. The Holy Spirit feeds us. So here's the first idea of the morning. Pentecost is the birth of the church. 3,000 people were baptized that day. 3,000 people who did not expect to be baptized that day. 3,000 people who didn't wake up and say, hey, it's Pentecost, everybody's gathering in Jerusalem from all over the, the known world. I think I'll be baptized today. But Pentecost jump-started an international spiritual movement that continues to today. It's supported every day by the powerful, abiding presence of God through his Holy Spirit, working in people to inspire them to live in the world. Uh, you've probably been inundated, inundated with media attention about Pentecost, right? On all the TV channels, all the social media, on everybody's mind, everybody's buzzing and talking about it. No, again, no, sadly not. What you've been seeing are visuals and vivid images, rioting, uh, a human dilemma, same um, old, same old news. Uh, the only reference I saw to Pentecost was that a San Diego church stood for the right to gather on Pentecost Sunday, which was rejected by a majority. Uh, it was viewed by that majority of the Supreme Court as Pandemic Sunday. And I don't want to comment on that necessarily, but I just want to pause to say, if the Holy Spirit has come, we might be a witness to Christ. And our testimony about Christ is We need to be very careful uh, as the people of God. Because in this day and age, when about the pandemic that might affect you. You're going to insist on gathering in large numbers of people. Like we are undermining our credibility. We're undermining our witness and our testimony. It might feel brave. It might feel courageous and bold. That's, that's counterintuitive. I don't know if you remember history. Philip, king of eastern or western Greece, Epirus, it was a region right across from Italy. Greek colony in, in Italy said, hey, the Roman army is going to wipe us out. We need your help. Uh, 
working troops had the greatest army in the world, a professional army. Uh, the Romans, not so much. In 275 BC, King Pyrrhus goes across uh, the Aegean Sea, takes on the Romans, and he decisively beats them in three victories in a row. But every time he lost so many men that he said, if I keep winning victories against the Romans, I'm out of business. I'm going to undermine our cause. And we call those kinds of situations Pyrrhic victories. Pyrrhic victories, a victory that undermines your cause in the long run. I found it ironic when I read this, the Supreme Court result that John Roberts was weighing in against this idea. And the irony to me is that John Roberts is a follower of Jesus. He's a professing Christian. He believes in Pentecost. He believes in the Holy Spirit. His wife is a profound pro-life advocate. In 2005, his nomination was, was up for grabs because of his faith. And in, in the wisdom that he brought, I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, he said, you know what, this is not the time um, to, to do this. This is not the, the hill that we need to be taking a stand on. The Holy Spirit didn't need permission to show up in 30 AD. There was no appeal to the government. There was no permission granted to do so. The Holy Spirit was simply present. Today, the Holy Spirit is still present. The Holy Spirit will move where he will. He goes where he wants. He's moving in the lives of people that we don't even know how he's working, preparing them to meet Jesus, hopefully. The Holy Spirit didn't come to assert our rights, but, but to confirm our responsibilities. So let that sink in. The Holy Spirit was not given to assert our rights. The people who first received the Holy Spirit had no rights in the Roman Empire. But those first believers gathered together and had a responsibility to proclaim and demonstrate and teach the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit makes his case in human hearts. And so the question is, giving up, insisting on your rights, are you embracing enthusiastically your responsibilities? Are you responding to the Holy Spirit? Are you, are you saying to the Holy Spirit, in this time of pandemic and disruption, how can I bear witness to you? How can we as your people creatively bear witness to you? We've, we've been digital church for now almost three months. We'll continue to be a digital church, not because we're enamored of technology, but because we want to use anything at our means and disposal to connect people to the, to the Lord, to connect people to one another, to resource the people of God to encourage them, to challenge them, to comfort them. We do that in person. Uh, that's what we prefer, but we'll do it any way possible. Empty room today, but I'm speaking to you. You are part of a movement of God's spirit that is not disrupted by the pandemic. How you meet might be disrupted, but who you are is probably going to be advanced in this time. God is probably doing a work in you through his Holy Spirit that will inspire you to be more innovative in the way that you live for him, in the way you engage the culture. You are known as the people who are constantly in court, griping about our rights, insisting on our rights. And if we win, it doesn't help us. And if we lose, it humiliates us. But wouldn't we want to be known as the people who they keep getting up every day Loving people in the name of Jesus, serving people in the name of Jesus, somehow bouncing back what they say is by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit makes his case in human hearts. Are you responding to him? Uh, Acts 2, 
Turn to Acts 2 if you have a Bible. Uh, I hope you've been reading Acts 2 in preparation for this. We see that 120 people gathered in worship. Jesus, uh, we see this in Acts 1, 8, had, had said, go to Jerusalem, stay in Jerusalem, and be ready uh, to, for the Holy Spirit to show up. They didn't know when, how exactly. But on this occasion, 122 people worshiping, and the Holy Spirit roars in. Unannounced, like fire and wind, there's immediate confusion, shock, awe. A very large crowd gathers to find out what's going on because what they hear are these 120 people not only speaking in the local dialect of Aramaic or Hebrew or Greek, they're hearing their own dialect being spoken by 120 people that are pretty much locals to Jerusalem. So these people who have come from all over the, the known world are saying, what's going on here? We're hearing people bear witness to Jesus in our language. The Holy Spirit pours out over this room full of people, 120 people worshiping. It's so disruptive, shock, awe, wonder. The flame, the rushing wind, the noise. And these 120 people start bearing witness to Christ. Now the city is packed with people for Pentecost. It's a big, big festival. And, 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 and thousands of people are hearing in their own dialect, from wherever they've come, Jesus being proclaimed and taught and apparently demonstrated in this act of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the people. Uh, some people are in the crowd are mocking. Uh, they must be drunk. Peter says it's only nine in the morning. They're not drunk. As, uh, you know, the funny part of that is, you know, in, almost in, intimating, maybe later they'll be drunk, but right now they're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. This is not about being drunk. This is about the Holy Spirit of God, promised by God, being poured out on his people. And so Peter uh, uh, shows us that the Holy Spirit confirms the mission of God fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We see this in Acts 2, 17 to 19. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So that's the brief explanation of, of, of this event, this moment. The Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, that Jesus promised his disciples that they're actually anticipating, and the Holy Spirit that the people who know the word of God, know Joel's prophecy, are saying, this is it, this is the time, this is the moment. Yes. So then Peter goes on, to put it in its larger context. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. This is Acts 2, 36 to 39. Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Christ, the Greek word for Messiah, the anointed one. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? As I said at the beginning, this is a game-changing event. The people were in the city with great expectation, but expectation is simply there together in the presence of God in his city, worshiping in his temple. But now, uh, in the middle of that city, they're having this experience of God's fulfilling his promise and this prophecy from Joel. What shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Guess what? You are far off, but the, God, the, the Lord called you. And if you have received Christ as your Savior, your Lord, if you can bear witness to him and say, Jesus is Lord and, and he's my Lord, you're part of what Peter was referring to. You're included in this. And so Acts is a story of the Holy Spirit, and this story includes you. I wish we had time to go from uh, Acts chapter 1 and now chapter 2 to every chapter in Acts. What you'll see is that Acts is the story of the Holy Spirit. We call it Acts because it's referring to the first couple of lines, Acts of some apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit confirming the work of Jesus in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. So Pentecost is a flexion point when everything changes for the better. Those, one of those historic pivots when you say everything is better, everything is different. But at that point, nothing had changed except for 3,000 people said something just changed in me. And of course, the rest of Acts 2 shows us what that looked like. The rest of Acts, the book, the rest of the New Testament, and the rest of history. So now we see that anyone can be filled with the Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus. You don't have to be Jewish. You simply have to become alive in Christ. So the second big point then is how does the Holy Spirit work in us? For what purpose? He inspires us with God's creative power so that we can embrace our purpose. Remember, in that final meal together with the disciples, Jesus was preparing them for what would follow. They didn't quite understand it all. But now it's starting to come together like the fog dissipating. The work that he was telling us we were going to do if we abided in him. The promised Holy Spirit that would make that possible. This is what's going on. That we have a work to do. Remember he said, you're going to be my disciples under my authority, teaching others to be my disciples, living under my authority. And I'll be with you always. And so he is with his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit inspires us with God's creative power so that we can embrace our purpose. People are inspired for a purpose. We see this in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. God breathes the breath of God, the Spirit of God into them. We see that the Word of God itself is God-breathed. This idea of Holy Spirit is the breath of God, the ruach, the wind, the breath of God. We see that the Word of God is inspired by Him. For what purpose? To prepare us to fulfill our work, to live into our purpose, uh, made possible by Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So God gives us His Holy Spirit to guide us through this life. Not to put us on hold until we die and go to be with him. Or he comes to be with us in a new heaven and a new earth. <clears throat> but rather, he's with us. And as long as you have breath in that physical human sense, you have a work to do. I don't know what your work is. You might be going through very difficult situations. You're saying, I don't have time to think about my work. Your work is embedded in everything you are and in everything you do. Your work is so much a part of who you are. Whatever you're doing and whatever you're going through, look for what the work of God looks like in you right now and what your work as you cooperate with that looks like right now. Your work might simply be saying thank you 
Your work might be saying something like this. Have I told you? Do you know? Tell me about. Don't miss the work of God in you. Happening right now by, in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit, the scripture tells us, by ignoring it. You can blaspheme the Holy Spirit by dismissing it. The Holy Spirit is here. On a cloudy day, the sun is still shining. We just can't see it. The Holy Spirit is here. If you have received the Lord, if you've been baptized in him, you have the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit manifests in signs and wonders. Some of the most sublime signs and wonders are these. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Sometimes they're ecstatic utterances. Sometimes they're incredible healings. The Holy Spirit is always at work. Are you working with the Holy Spirit? So this creative power that makes us alive and alert to our purpose and potential allows us to be innovative by linking our insights and our abilities. Hey, this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm understanding. This is what I can do to contribute, to be a part of that. I wish I had time to tell you all the stories of people in our congregation who are using what God has entrusted to them to live innovatively. Now, it doesn't make the news, but sometimes it does. What it is, though, is this beautiful expression of having been inspired by God's word and God's abiding presence, that they're living innovatively. They're saying, I have an opportunity. I wonder what that would look like if I did this. Sometimes it, it's part of what they do professionally. Sometimes it's in addition to what they do professionally. Sometimes it's how they raise their kids and work out their marriage, how they care about their neighbors, how they treat people to whom they're responsible and for whom they are responsible. We live innovatively by linking insights and abilities. We develop skills and we apply them. This is all part of our work in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work in us. It's a marketplace faith. It might start at a sanctuary. It might start in a context of worship, but it always goes to the streets. Years ago, I met a really interesting man named Nicky Cruz. Uh, Nicky Cruz, C-R-U-Z. Uh, look him up, Google him, and you'll read one of the most fascinating stories you've ever read. A, a major transformation of a person who would say, and has said many times, I was so lost until I was found by Christ. But what I love about Nicky Cruz is he'd always say this, from the heart to the street. And it sounds silly me saying it, but it's like, yeah, from the heart to the street. That's what, the, that's what we do in the Holy Spirit. He's in our hearts, and he leads us into the street. So do you see your life as an experience of inspiration and innovation? Don't discount yourself. Don't say, I'm too young, I'm too old. I'm too sick. I'm too busy. See your life as an experience of, of inspiration and innovation. This is how God made us to live, guided, guided through life by his Holy Spirit. He brings people to help us. He brings people for us to help. He'll either bring people to us or he'll bring us to people. Now think about this. Uh, how and when did you learn to tie your shoes? Didn't somebody help you? Guide you? When, when did you learn how to ride a bike? And, and, and who helped you along the way? Maybe you started with training wheels, but there was a dad or a mom or a friend, another kid, an older brother or sister helping you learn how to ride that bike. When and how did you learn how to read? Weren't you helped in that? Yes, you had to do it. 
But weren't you helped? And if you had problems reading, if you have learning disabilities, didn't somebody say, you know what, you've got a crazy thing called this or that. And we can fix that. We can deal with that. We're going to teach you to read. How about telling time? Telling time. For some people, it's just obvious. Oh, it's, it's just time. Other people, as smart as they are, have a hard time figuring out what time it is and what to do with it. Other people help them. So this is the beautiful thing. God brings people to help us, and he brings us to help people. All part of the work of the Holy Spirit, advancing the kingdom of God. What it comes down to is this. It's inspiration plus innovation plus motivation that equals transformation. The inspiration of God. Our innovative response to what we're learning and seeing from the Lord and from people who are helping us uh, develop uh, who we are. And the motivation to say, Lord, I'm doing this to honor and glorify you and to bless people. And out of that comes personal transformation, comes family transformation, comes cultural transformation. You can't win it in a court of law. You can earn it every day, though, on the streets. It's doing something consistently well over time that makes you better at it. And you know what? In the process, it makes life better, even when life is really hard. You have been going through a very difficult time through this lockdown, this sheltering in place uh, period of time. But you've been so inspired and so innovative that even in the midst of your fatigue, your exhaustion, your antsiness, your anxiety, you've risen to the occasion Something has changed in you. Something is changing in you. And we're all excited to gather in, in July. July 5th, we'll have a, our first public gathering everybody together uh, worship service out on the lawn. Uh, we have a transition time to be going through. That's a time to reflect on this transformation that we're going through. What have you learned? What are you learning? What are we going to carry forward with us? What are we going to leave behind that we, don't, we realize we don't need anymore? And so this inspiration is, is giving you an identity and value. You are a beloved child of God. That's your identity and that's your value. You are being blessed, even in difficult circumstances. That's the inspiration. The innovation is this. By embracing your purpose and, 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 and expressing that in good work, you're adding value and you're bringing blessing to other people. So we see that the Holy Spirit is God's personal presence working within each one of us and bringing us together. And this is the third point. The Holy Spirit doesn't make life easy, but he does make it better. It isn't easy all the time, but it's better. And this happens in community. We cannot do it alone. You might be sick and tired of church and church politics, um, uh, uh, of whatever it bothers you about the institutional church. The fact is, this is the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. There's no plan B. The Holy Spirit establishes the church. Not as a, an institution, but as a community. The creative work of the Holy Spirit produces what the Bible, what we see in Acts chapter 2 and throughout the New Testament, koinonia. This fellowship creating, community creating reality of the Holy Spirit. And so we see in Acts 2.44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. This is in the midst of one of the most famous passages describing the newly born and formed church 
Acts 2, uh, verses 42 to 47. But here in verse 44, it says that all the believers were together and had, had everything in common. That's a definition. And literally, the word koinonia is in that sentence. The believers were together and had everything in common. What did they have in common? Well, they had problems in common. <laughs> they had conflicts in common. They had preferences not in common, maybe. They had all kinds of things in common, troubles and travails and temptations. They had, they had a lot of common gripes about living under the heel of the Romans. They had all kinds of things in common. But most importantly, what they had in common was Jesus and his community-creating Holy Spirit. That was the ultimate thing. So when you read Acts 2, 42 to 47, right in the middle of it, you see that the people were together and had everything in common. Why? Because they had Christ. They were worshiping. They were studying. They were receiving. They were giving. They were growing. They were serving. They were witnessing. They were, they were going deep in their own hearts to the heart of God. They're going deep in the heart of God so they could discover their own hearts. And in that process, understanding the hearts of the people around them, yeah, we all have problems that can divide us. We all have preferences that can divide us. Hey, I think we should go to the Supreme Court every time we have a chance. Okay. Lots of things will divide us, but what we have in common is Christ. What we have in common is his Holy Spirit. So really, in a sense, every church is a Pentecostal church. But for Pentecost, there would be no church. And so when the church is in a time of confusion or transition, we have to always come back to the, to, to the church at Pentecost. What does, what does the church look like when it's in alignment with God and his purposes? It looks like Acts 2, 44. Acts 2, 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now you notice that Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there among them. He could have easily said, you know, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there are problems. But he didn't say that. He's among us through his Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is still writing the book of Acts, and we're in it. Acts goes up to 28, chapter 28. But you know what? We're Acts 29. We're part of Acts 29. The story continues. The work of the Holy Spirit continues. It will be fulfilled when Jesus brings a new heaven and a new earth. When Christ returns in glory, there will be a judgment. There'll be a resurrection. There'll be a reordering of creation. Uh, we will be... Uh, transformed. This process that we're in of transformation will be ultimately completed when Jesus returns. But right now, we're in chapter 29. He's with us now. We have a part in the mission of God right now. We're a community of inspiration and innovation in the Holy Spirit right now. Our common mission right now is being tested in adversity. What should we do? Why don't we just rise to the occasion? Why don't we lean in a little closer and say, Lord, will you tell me once again of your great love for us? Will you tell us once again who we are in you? Would you tell us once again why you did what you did to bring us back into a relationship with you? And then, Lord, would you help us understand what you want us to do going forward with you? That we can face conflict and work it through. We can face adversity and overcome it. We can live with people, uh, as people, with promise and hope. We can be generous in spirit. 
We can say, yes, I have a right for that, but you know what? I'm going to put my right aside and focus on my responsibility. You know what? The sad thing is that we would rather be right than love. Love is not weak. Love is not capitulation. Love doesn't cause us to dilute the gospel or compromise our values. Love says, I'm going to lean in to the work that Christ has given me. He said, they'll know you belong to me when you love others like I've loved you. That's only possible by the Holy Spirit. I do not have that in me. I'm all about conserving and preserving what I have. I don't want to let it go. What God says is, hey, guess what? Open your heart, open your mind, open your hands. You're not going to dilute the truth. You're not going to compromise the values of my kingdom. You're simply going to walk with me and learn to love like I love. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. So ultimately, my right is to be a beloved child of God. My responsibility is to act like one and to live like one. So let's rise to the occasion in prayer, in fasting, in study, in acts of compassion, in hard work, and in great joy. I love the fact that uh, the, the midweek prayer group, a w- group of wonderful women who, who faithfully pray for this church, uh, Heather Huddleston, a young woman in that group, mentored by these, these senior uh, sisters and mothers and grandmothers in that group, uh, said, why don't we fast and pray this week? And, and they did that this week. And, and what a beautiful expression of rising to the occasion. Fasting isn't saying, God, I'm not going to eat until you do something. It's saying, Lord, I want to carve out some time when I normally would eat or do something else, and I want to just focus on you in a very special way. So perhaps each one of us, between now and when we gather together for worship on July 5th, could pick uh, a day of the week and an hour or so in that day and fast and pray. Maybe you give up a meal. Maybe you give up a TV show. Maybe you give up something you normally do. Don't give up your responsibilities, but maybe give up some of the things that you do that would not necessarily disrupt anybody else. And maybe all of us, hopefully all of us, would take some time every week to fast and pray. Ask the question, Lord, what would it look like for us to lean into our mission in a new and fresh way as you move toward uh, whatever that new normal will look like? So I leave you with this thought. Come Holy Spirit. He's here, but we say come Holy Spirit to remind ourselves to be open and inviting to the presence of the Holy Spirit, to observe and be alert to the fact that he's in us by faith. Come Holy Spirit, renew us and fill us in a fresh and new way in Jesus' name. So Lord Jesus, that is our prayer. That is our hope. That's our confession of faith. That's our testimony that because you are Lord, we can be filled with your Holy Spirit to heal us, to strengthen us, to make us wise, to make us courageous and bold, to make us patient and kind, all those fruit of the Spirit. And meanwhile, Lord, show us how to use the gifts of your Spirit that you've given us, whether that's teaching uh, or or serving or hospitality or, or prophetic utterances, whatever those things are that you've given us, according to those various descriptions of those gifts. May we be people of your Holy Spirit. May we be Pentecostal people now and forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to offer you a benediction, and then uh, you'll see a couple of information slides, and then uh, Deneen and the, and, the, and the worship team will lead us in, in, in more worship. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us all, giving us his love, his mercy, his peace, his passion, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, 
and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yours is the glory. Yours. 